God's word that will take a little bit of time. here of uh, the Transfiguration. And so if you have uh, your own Bibles with, you're following along, you want to take a look at Mark chapter 9, I invite you to keep those words from Mark chapter 9 open and available uh, as we hear the word together this morning. Why don't we say a prayer as we hear God's word? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for gathering us on this new day. We pray that uh, I, your servant, would not stand in the way of your people hearing that word. Let, let it ring out clearly. And we pray that you would let us take home from it what you want us to receive. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know uh, if you have this memory. I suspect you do, because I certainly do. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, there were an awful lot of us saying something like, when this whole thing is over in just a few months, I'm going to. Pastors were walking around saying, when this is over in a few months, you know, like beginning of May, we'll have a great Easter celebration again. And uh, politicians were saying, when this is over, then you'll be able to go back in just a few months. You can go back to your normal lives. And uh, restaurants were saying, when this is over in just a little bit, uh, then you'll be able to dine in again. You'll have your food back. And the teachers were saying, admin schools administrators especially were saying, when this is over, your kids will get taught again, educated again like normal. When this is over in just a few months. Then three months, six months, nine months, now almost a year have gone by. Gee, it's still not over. And, and of course, now we're realizing it, it's not going to be over ever. That's not how viruses work. I'm glad that we had the hope in the beginning. I think that if somebody had told me, you know, yeah, it's going to be with you for your life and you're going to have to constantly wear a mask, blah, 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 I would have been like, yep, just done. I'm just walking away from life. I'd run. I quit giving up uh, because it would have been just too much. It would have been too overwhelming. But how many of us, any of us have ever had an experience uh, with a virus where we could actually have had, had some legitimate hope, some legitimate reason to say this will be over in a few months? Could any of us have pointed to some time in our life that we, we could say this was a, a rock solid, a factual experience to tell me this would be over in a few months? And of course, none of us could have. If, if we had thought about it for even two minutes, we would have had to say, there is no experience in my life, probably in most anybody else's life, to tell us this would be over in a few months. Now, life is not always like that. There are plenty of times where you do have an experience that tells you things will get better. It will get over. Uh, if somebody comes to me and their marriage is going through difficulties, uh, I can say, well, did you ever experience good times in your marriage? Almost inevitably, everybody says, yeah, we did. You know, and then I can ask and I can say to them, look, everybody goes through tough times in your marriage. I can't guarantee that you will be able to get through this, but you experienced good times. Most other people are able to work through the tough times and get back to good times. It is reasonable to believe that if you find things to work on in here, you can get to good times as well. That's reasonable to believe unlike believing that a pandemic will be over in just a couple of months. Uh, similarly, if you're going through very tough times in your job, if your job is just a real disaster, and you come to me and say, oh, man, I don't know if I can handle working here anymore, and I say, well, did you ever enjoy your job? Was it ever a good thing for you? The, and you say, yes. I can say, look, then, then isn't it reasonable to believe that you will also have good times at some other point in the future? Uh, 
it's not completely out of the realm of possibility to say, you've got something bad, you just need to find a way to work through it, to go forward again. The good times, at one point, the good experience, gives you confidence, valid, legitimate, historical, factual experience to tell you it could get better again, unlike a pandemic. And so that is the thing that Jesus wants to give to you and I today. In the grand scheme of things, the big scheme of things, do you have factual, legitimate, historical, valid experience to tell you it could get better? Because we experience plenty of bad things in life. Over the last couple of weeks, we've seen how Jesus deals with so many tough, bad things in life. We've watched him work. He healed people, dealt with sickness. He, he taught with authority. He, he got rid of all kinds of bad ideas that, that mess up life for us. He, he brought forgiveness. So to restore and reconcile and renew relationships and renew us individually. All great things. Then we have a pinnacle experience in the transfiguration. The transfiguration as much as anything else, Jesus pulls Peter, James, and John aside. He takes them to some high mountain we're not completely aware of. He, he is changed in front of them. And he provides us some assurance with this to say, look, here's a factual historical experience to tell you things can get better. It's not all bad. It really can get better, and you can hope for that. And so that's what we want to get today. Now, it helps us, like I said, to, to know a little bit of what comes before and after this event in order to apply it, understand it. Uh, right before this event, Jesus predicted his own death. Jesus called Peter Satan, not name-calling. He, he was really just telling him, like, you are acting like Satan and the devil right now. Uh, and Jesus told the disciples they were going to suffer and die. So, it was quite a contrast. It was a, a, a massive shift from the message they heard at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The beginning of Jesus' ministry was, oh, here's the good things I'm doing. Look at me, fix the world for you. And then all of a sudden it was, here's all the bad stuff that's going to happen. Uh, and then after this experience was going to be something else bad because Jesus came down and told them again, I'm going to die. Which means this event comes right in the middle, right? it's, it's bookend, by bad news. The disciples were experiencing some, some tough times when Jesus climbed the mountain. And we know exactly what, well, for the most part, exactly what, what Jesus wanted the disciples to get out of this event because he told them what to take away from it. He said, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This event was not supposed to be secret, but it was an experience for them to get them through the worst thing in their life. They were going to watch somebody die, and they were going to experience the horrendous grief that comes from watching somebody die. They needed something to get them through those bad times. This last week, we had a work day here at church. I brought donuts. What gets you through the bad times of a workday? Definitely donuts. Two weeks before, the week before that, we, we spent an hour and a half during a meeting and read the new bylaws for the congregation. You know what gets you through reading of bylaws? 
Reese's. I passed out Reese's multiple times. I went around the room and I said, I'm sorry for all you people online. You're missing out because I am getting these guys through this. And I passed out the Reese's and I said that. There are good things that get us through those bad times. Everybody needs something good to, to get them through those bad times. Now, for, for most of us, many of us would give a very traditional answer and say, my family is what gets me through the bad times. Uh, I, and I, I've heard that from plenty of people before. You know, I had a gentleman going through very bad times, and he says, man, I don't know what I'd do without my family. Uh, you know, if I lose my family, I don't know if I could, can get through this. His family was that mountaintop experience, that good experience of his life to tell him he could get through bad times. Increasingly, more and more of us simply say, I'm what gets me through bad times. You know, when, when I go through bad times, I, I will admit that many times what I end up saying is, well, I'm a pretty good person. I work hard. I'm kind of funny, a little bit sometimes. I'm not that stupid. I can do this, right? I can get through this. So what's, what's my thing that gets me through bad times? I am, me. I, I'm the thing. And I'm not saying that's always good. We look to, to family. We, we tend to look to ourselves to be the thing to get us through bad times. Martin Luther had a great insight about this. Martin Luther pointed out that a God is really the thing from which you get good and the thing to which you look for refuge and safety in times of need. He had a great insight, because what does that mean? That means that a God is not just some being out there, like Jupiter, Zeus, Allah, or the triune God. It's not just something out there. A God is actually the thing to which you look for help when times are bad. That is your God, right? A God is not defined just by who it is, but a God is actually defined by what it does for you. And this event shows us the same truth. Jesus doesn't just go up on the mountain alone. He takes Peter, James, and John with him, and he is transfigured before them. He is, he is copying what God has done for thousands of years of history. God brought his people up out of Egypt, and he appeared with his glory. He led them by a glory cloud into the new land. His glory appeared to them on Mount Sinai. His glory appeared to Moses in the tabernacle. God's glory showed up to bring the people through their journey to the next, next stage, right? Through the tough time that they were experiencing. And Jesus did the same thing here. He just ramped it up a whole level. Because it says right in this, this section, his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Jesus was not just showing them glory uh, in a cloud on a top of a mountain. Jesus himself was the glory. He is the infinite, the unsurpassing, the exuberant beauty of the greatness and the glory of God. He is the exact manifestation of that being. And he revealed that. He, he showed that all that, well, of what he is to these disciples. You know, wow. I don't know if there's any better way to say, what do you need to get through a tough time? Everybody needs something. What do, what do you need? What do you have? And whatever that is, that's your God. Jesus as the, the clearest example showed up 
with all of his glory here. And the disciples had to realize, had to say, that is or should be my God. Everybody needs somebody, something to get them through those tough times. That's our first thing that we want to want to take away today, right? Everybody needs something or somebody to get them through tough times. Now, I, I'd imagine all of us, most of us, we're, 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 right, we're, we're starting to immediately say, well, wait a second, Pastor. There's been plenty of times in my life where I think I got me through tough times. You know, I've had so many tough times, and I don't feel like anybody really helped me. I didn't look to my family. I didn't look to anybody else. I just, I did it. I sucked it up, and I got through it. I, I feel like I looked to, to, to myself for tough, through tough times. And other people would, would say, especially if you ask, you know, if I have a, a Christian, a believer say to me, man, the things are really bad in life right now. I validate that. I say, yeah, I can see that that is. And how are you getting through that? And they'll say, my faith gets me through this. I don't know how somebody could get through this without faith. And, and both answers, you know, they, they are starting to get at something. But both answers are, are not the answer. Both answers don't get really at the, the heart of what will get us through the tough times. Both answers are blinded by what does not, what, by, what our, by our time that keeps us from getting through tough times. And let me see if I can picture it for us this way. You and I, um, I, well, I'm a Wisconsinite. Now we live in, in lovely Michigan, and there are many wonderful things about living in a, a flat plain area. You know, this is, this is, I don't know, someplace in Kansas looking millions of miles away, right? But there's many awesome things. Uh, we have forests, we have trees, we have rivers, we have streams, we have rolling hills, and we have arable land, land that you can plant and enjoy and build houses on, all of these marvelous things. The one thing that we don't have is mountains. I remember when as a kid going to a place called Cascade Mountain for the first time uh, to slow, snow, you know, to snow tube and to ski a little bit, Cascade Mountain, and you ski down and it takes you like eight seconds top to bottom and you think, hmm, this is a mountain? This is an interesting experience. All right, and then you come over here and you, you maybe you go tubing at Bittersweet or you, you go you, uh, to skiing down at, at, at Bittersweet and, and it's like, oh yeah, this is a ridge. Ridge, hmm, maybe it's a hill. Maybe it's a hill. And then you see the magnificence of the Rockies. And the, the first time I remember going to see my, my in-law's family, you, know, you see the magnificence of the Rockies, and they, they loom out already 100 miles down the road, and you just keep driving and driving and driving and driving, and they're getting bigger and bigger, and, and the surpassing magnificence just starts to overwhelm you. And when it really struck me, my wife's family, one of the relatives has a house up in the mountains, uh, and it's almost a mile above the city of Denver. You, you can look down at Denver. And I thought to myself, if I took a ball and I just chucked it out there, and I, let's say I could throw it far enough to get it to, to fall down, it would still take almost 30 seconds just to fall down from uh, that far up and to hit the city of Denver. You know, if you drop a ball from the ceiling here, it's, gonna, it's barely a second to hit the ground. 30 seconds of free fall. To hit, and that's the magnificence. And that wasn't even the, the best mountaintop experience of of my life. And here's the thing, why do we settle for the the little hill experience of the the Midwesterner when there's the magnificent mountains? I'm not telling you to move. I'm saying 
in our spiritual and our religious lives? Why do we settle for the little flat mountains when there's the magnificent, or the little hills when there's the magnificent miles? C.S. Lewis makes this point wonderfully in his writing on, on glory. He says, you know, the problem with, with, with getting through the bitterness and the difficulties and the challenges and the struggles of life it's not usually that we think too highly of ourselves. It's that we don't see that the crack and the crevice, a crack and a crevice has been broken open into this world and that there is glory beyond streaming into it. He says, you have never met an average human being. There is no such thing as a, a mere mortal. Like Peter, you need to say, this is good and this is where we should be. We belong on the mountain. Paul puts it this way. He says we are shares in the suffering so that we can share in the glory. We belong on the mountain. That's where we should be. Why? Because Jesus gave up his glory. Right? You, there's nothing more terrifying and nothing more awe-inspiring than to realize that the hurricane has become a human. Fire has become flesh. That life has become life itself and then to realize that the hurricane was put out, that the fire was snuffed out, and the life was put to death so that you and I could have glory. We become shares in the suffering so that we can have glory. He was shamed so that you could have glory. And when you can take that, the more you and I can can pursue that glory that he wants to give us, pursue that mountaintop experience, the more you will have some staying power, right? That good, great experience to get you through bad times. Now let me tell you what you have to do, what we have to do to take this great experience, to get this great experience. And here's the, the big question of the day. Which is better, dog or cat? Which is better? And I'm going to answer it definitively once and for all. So I want to never hear any more arguments about this again. Undeniably, without a doubt, 1,025%, the dog is better. And here I'm going to say why. This is, this is an old analogy. It comes from a world religions book, right? A cat, a cat, if you feed it, you take care of it, you, you comb its fur, you get its shots, you take out the hairballs, all of these things. You give it some little balls so that it can play with and bat them around the, the, the room. The cat will think that because you're serving it, it is God. The dog, you do the exact same things with the dog. You feed the dog, you water the dog. You, you give the dog toys to play with, uh, you, you take the dog for walks, the dog will think that because you're serving it, you are God. And the dog will come up to you and say, I love you and I love you. <laughs> I want to be with you all day long and can we just hang out and you're the best thing in the world. But this is the difference. This is the reason why when you come home in the, in the afternoon, the dog is standing by the door with the leash in hand and, and standing by the bowl and saying, oh, let's feed, let's go play, and I want to be with you. And the cat is lying up on the windowsill saying, it's about time you got home. How come you haven't fed me yet? Right? The dog thinks that because you serve it, you're God. The cat says that because you serve it, it must be God. And therefore, not only is the dog better than the cat, the big point is, be the dog, right? Be the dog. If you want to have the experience of the glory, you have to 
to realize that this is what the gospel says. The gospel says God gave up his glory so that you could have glory. God has served you. Many of us look at the, the amazing blessings, the great experiences, the success, and all of these things that we get in life, and we say, oh, look, there must be somebody out there doing good things for me. I guess I'm just a God. And what we really need to say, the gospel would say to us, no, you're not the God. God is the God, and he just loves you enough that he wants to give you so many good things. Right? So be the dog, and let the experience of the glory then start to get you through the bad times. Because it really can. Uh, it can. And, and here's what I mean by that. The experience of glory, I think we can even say, can give us grit. If you take some sandpaper, I know I have too many illustrations and analogies today. You're going to go home and be like, I'm not sure if I should think about mountains or dogs or sandpaper. Too much, but I, I just had to, right? If you take some sandpaper, take some sandpaper and you got fine 200 grit sandpaper, you rub it over the board, you say to yourself, oh, look, the sandpaper. Now, the sandpaper has no staying power. It has no sticking power. And so as soon as anything comes in life, because there's no grit on the sandpaper, it just gets pushed away. You can't go through any bad times. But you take, I don't even know, 60 grit sandpaper, sandpaper that is covered with mountaintop experiences, and you rub it on the board. And in the board, you have to work a lot harder to push it down any kind of roughness in life. The more the mountaintop experiences you have, the more you experience the glory, the more you, you rise up with, with grit in your life to stick through the bad times. And so let glory, let God's glory, give you grit. Let's pray for that. Lord, uh, it's, it's easy to feel like when we, uh, when we have some awesome experience of your amazing goodness and your glory, that we are, we're just, we're selfish, we're, we're focused on ourselves, that, that we're the cat and, and you've turned us into some kind of a, that we, we've become a God. But that's the, the complete wrong way to, to see it, to feel it, to experience it, when we really need to see that you are our God and you have chosen to reveal your glory to us so that we might have staying power, sticking power to get through all of the tough stuff in life. We pray that your, the experience we have of your glory would give us this standing firm place for all of these bad things. Let us have that factual historical experience of your glory to stand no matter what we have to endure. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.